Good evening, church. So nice to see you tonight. Hopefully it's been a good week for you. And thank you for being here despite all the rain and uh, hopefully it's, it's stopped a little bit, but so excited to worship the Lord in the house of God today and hopefully um, we can spend a bit more time with him today. just want to share a, a verse that, um, that came um, to my reading this week and it's just a reminder that whatever season we are at the moment, uh, whether it's celebrating or waiting or hoping or... Um, that the Lord is good and he is infinitely good to us. He's never changing. And I um, just want to read a passage from Isaiah 40, verses 28 to 31. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Shall we all rise? Let us sing together to our God who is everlasting and always the same today and tomorrow.
to come up on stage. We will sing together our next song. Good evening. I'm Irene and I'm part of the staff and the kids ministry director. Once a month we come together 
God's children of all ages, from kids to adults, in the worship service to worship our God together. Well, kids, I invite you to come to the front. There are specially marked spots for you in front of the stage. That is wonderful. Parents, you could bring them along as well. If you want to move to the front, that's perfect. On stage with me are the emerging leaders of this church and of the community. And I invite you to encourage the kids by singing along and doing the actions with them. We're singing a 150-year-old hymn, a song that's slightly older than Civi Church. It's arranged with an upbeat rhythm. So if you wanted to sway along or dance along, that would be great as well. So let's worship our God together. come to you to find forgiveness from sin. Please help us to live in ways that honour you and to give you glory for every good thing. Amen. Amen. Well, it's time to do scripture at Subi. Here in Subi Church, we memorize one passage each month. And for the month of July, we're committing to memory the scripture from Ephesians. So we're going to say that together. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9. 
For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Well done, everyone. Before you take a seat, how about you turn to the person next to you and have a, you know, maybe welcome them. COVID-free, though. Good evening, everybody. It is also time where we invite our primary school age children to head up for your Super Kids classes where they can learn more about Jesus in an age-appropriate format. So if you're new here, feel free to register your kids in the reception area, uh, head upstairs, meet the teachers, and then you can come back and join us if you like. My name is Chin. I'm one of the pastors here at Subi Church. It is always great to be with all of you to come worship and hear from God together. Now, on your seat, there should be a Connect card that looks something like this. Uh, this is something that we encourage everyone to fill out so that we know that you are here, but more importantly, so that we know how to pray with and for you. Um, you can do that either with a physical card or you can scan the QR code in front of you uh, and you'll be taken to the online Connect card uh, and you can fill in there as well. So let me encourage you to do that because this is something that we have the wonderful privilege to be able to do to pray uh, for each one of you. And also, if you want to get connected to the church, this is a way that we can support you. So let me encourage you to uh, fill out the Connect cards. And one of the things that we also encourage everyone to do, especially if you're a member of the church, is to think about and to give your offering. And this is something that, we, as Christians, we recognize the grace of God through Christ and how generous He has been to us in Christ. And part of our worship to God is through this offering. And part of our offering really just makes gospel ministry possible where we can uh, have the possibility to preach and teach about Jesus to people who may not know him. Uh, so there should be a, a green card like this with instructions on how to do that online to set up a regular payment. But if you are someone who prefers to do it physically, you can as well. So just pick out an envelope in a cubby hole, uh, put in your offering, and then there's a box that's labeled offering box there. Let me let you know about some of the upcoming events, what's happening in the life of the church. So tomorrow, uh, 24th of July, on a Sunday, after the second service, we will have a Connect Lunch. So this is a lunch where we invite everybody who are new here um, or newish here. We want you to come along and just to meet with the leaders of the church. So those are the staff, ministry leaders, and the elders will be there. I will, I will be there. Um, lunch will, will be provided. This is where we can introduce the rest of the church to you or for you to come and meet with us, uh, for us to meet with you. So tomorrow, after the second service, 12.15, in the active activity rooms upstairs um, in Subi Church. We also have Awana. We'll be starting this coming Tuesday, 26th of July, from 5.30 to 7. Uh, if you'd like to volunteer or help out or register your kids, you can do that. Just uh, let us know on your Connect card, and we will contact you. And then lastly, Nourish at Subi is starting again this coming Thursday from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. in a Subi Church Cafe. We have limited seats uh, of 50 people. Part of what Nourish aims to do is to get people to fellowship together through a meal and also be nourished through the Word. So this session, we are going through the book of Job, fantastic book, talking about God's sovereignty and um, suffering. And Ben, and we'll be teaching that together with Debbie Main, our women's ministry leader. So it is $10 per week for the dinner. And we would like you to RSVP for the Connect card, uh, through your Connect card as well, so that we know how many people are coming. That's all the announcement I have today. Let me invite Rod and the Bolins up. Thanks, Chin. 
I'm hoping the Bolans are still here. They did talk to me before we walked in. They are here. Uh, I'm Rod anyway, part of the missions team here at SUBI. We have a sort of a fairly uh, uh, mundane role in the background, I guess, of missions here in, in, uh, in SUBI. These guys here are the guys that have been doing the real stuff and the real places in different places around the world. Many of you will know him and Claudia. Um, Jamie knows everybody here. And um, <laughs> interestingly enough, even when we've been talking on Zoom over the year or so in the past, he mentions people and I say, no, I don't know him. <laughs> and he does already. So anyway, look, welcome back here. And uh, it was good to hear you last week up here at this place speaking to us, and we appreciate that. Jamie, um, some people here haven't been here uh, since, they saw, since you left. They've been here, I mean, since you've been left. They haven't met you up till now. Just give us a little bit of background of your mission ministry experience over the last number of years. So I first went to uh, Sudan in 2004. I actually first met Graham Johnston in Khartoum. Um, I'd heard about him when I was in Perth. I was told I should meet him, but I first met him on the mission field. And uh, I was there for two years. And I was teaching in a uh, theological school, training pastors in Sudan from both North and South Sudan. Uh, whilst I was there, I happened to meet uh, this lovely lady. And uh, we got married in 2005 in Sudan and came back to Australia in 2006. Yeah, thanks for that. But Claudia, what about yourself? You didn't come from Perth and you didn't know about Subi and probably until you met Jamie. Tell us a little bit about your background and your experience in mission. Yes, so um, I'm Italian, uh, so I was born and raised there, and I um, was involved with the um, the navigators. So these are is a university students um, kind of uh, ministry, and through them I came in contact with the leprosy mission. And having a physio background. I went to Sudan with a leprosy mission, and I was working in Darfur when Jamie came. So I was there from 2000, and Jamie arrived in 2004. Great. So after you left Khartoum, tell us a little bit about uh, where you, what you've been doing since then. Two different locations, I think, so you can probably cover both of those in this question. Okay, so we came back in 2006. Our plans were to start a family and return to Africa. Um, it was always our heart to return to train leaders in developing contexts. My heart's always been to work in a place where the church is ill-equipped to support its own uh, future leaders. So that's always been my heart. We came to Subi in 2009. I was on staff until 2013. I still remember our first meeting. Rod actually said Subi will become our sending church. So we were here, and whilst we were on staff, our goal was always to return to Africa with Subi Echo as our sending church. Yeah. So you returned to uh, Africa, and what did you do? Okay, so... The theological school I was working with in Sudan had moved to South Sudan, which then became an independent country in 2011. And so in 2013, we were there, and we were not even there 12 months when the civil war started. So we actually left for Christmas, uh, December 2013. Five days later, the civil war started. We left with next to nothing, and we never, ever got to go back. The situation was too volatile for us. So 
we eventually relocated to Uganda. And by God's grace, we ended up training more Sudanese and South Sudanese pastors in Uganda than we ever reached in Sudan and South Sudan. Um, and so we were there from 2014 until just recently in 2022. Claudia, how did you cope with the change from South Sudan to Uganda? And um, uh, what was the big hurdles you had to come across? Um, so South Sudan was, we were in a very, very small village. Um, the only way to get there was through a small plane, um, but the um, college there was has its own compound. And the, every student and their family lived there, and we had, um, I think, four or five families, um, missionary families, and uh, I was homeschooling the kids, and the other ladies were homeschooling the kids, so we had a very close community. Within that compound, we had 50 South Sudanese kids. Um, so it was uh, a village within the village, and it was a uh, hard living, but it was also uh, a very close living. And when we moved to Uganda, uh, initially for a four months commitment, um, we were very isolated. Uh, we lived uh, in a house, in a, again in a small village, but uh, more isolated, so the kids and I were home most of the time, just homeschooling when Jamie was going to the university. Um, so I think that was the hardest bit. And then eventually, when we decided to stay in Uganda, the kids moved into uh, an international school, and we got more connected with the local church. So either of you can answer this question, I guess. So you're back in Perth for a while. Um, tell us how long that a while is going to be, and uh, and, uh, and and how you see the future panning out for you. Um, yeah, we must confess, our last few years in Uganda have been very difficult. We had planned to return in 2020. Obviously, COVID closed the borders. So, you know, for two years, we've been longing to come home. Uh, we've been homesick. Um, and not only homesick, but I think we were really struggling in our um, specific ministries as well. We got to a point where we felt there was a lot of difficulties and we were trying to work through them, but it came to a point where, you know, it just left us very fatigued. And I think that combination with not being able to return home, be with friends and family, was grinding us down. Life in Africa can be very hard at times and we often need a break at regular intervals to get out, reset. And so we're here for that. We're here to rest. And whilst we're here, we would also like to, you know, see God and see what his plans are for the next phase of our life. We actually closed up our life in Uganda. So we may return, we may not. And uh, so if you could pray with us, because we're really um, keen to see what the next step or next phase of our life will be. Yeah, thanks for that. And um, it's been a, um, a privilege that as a church we've been able to contribute towards your ministry there in prayer and regularly as well. And um, one of the things that's, one of the things that um, COVID's given us the opportunity of is to use Zoom and to become familiar with it. And we've been able to have regular Zoom meetings with uh, our missionaries uh, in various places around the world. And uh, Jamie and Claudia have always been on that Zoom connection at, uh, once a month on a Sunday night. Um, so it's been great and it's been a privilege. Um, I think what you said, you, you're on um, uh, 
home assignment, I think the word is, here till the end of the year at least, and, uh, and our support will continue during that period too, even though they're here. Um, so let's pray for you, and, uh, and Kendrick's going to come up and read the uh, scripture for us shortly, but let's pray. Father, we just uh, thank you for Jamie and Claudia and their children. We thank you for the ministry that they've been able to do and have been doing for a number of years now in Uganda and Sudan and for the impact that they've had on the uh, pastors that uh, are from Sudan and South Sudan and for the uh, things that they've been able to build into their lives that impact the church where they go back to. Father, we pray that you'll continue to guide them into the future where you'd have them to be and, have, and what you'd have them to do. And uh, even in this few months ahead to the end of this year, we pray for your blessing upon them and your direction to make become clear within their lives. So we just thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. This week's Bible reading is taken from 2 Kings verse, um, chapter eight, 4, verses 8 to 17. One day, Elisha went to Shunan. And a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, Call the Shunammite. So he called her, and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, Tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can we be done for you? Can we speak to you on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, She has no son, and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, Call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, You will hold a son in your arms. No, my lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. Thank you, Kendrick. That will uh, begin our Bible story for today, and we're going to continue on this series on taking God seriously from the life of Elisha. And... We'll continue on with that story, but sometimes, even as you read that Bible story, sometimes, isn't that nice? Isn't that a nice story? That's very pleasant. And yet it, it changes, and it's going to change the, the mood and th how things go. But I've moved from reading these Bible stories to thinking, isn't that nice to say, isn't that amazing, and to take God seriously, and I hope that's what we do today. Uh, you heard the, uh, the Boland share, and I do want to say a special thank you for Jamie. I called him up late in the week last week because I was sick, and then uh, apparently he got a little bit sick, uh, but we're both here today, so that's, that's the good news. Uh, I, people ask me what I had. It was not COVID. It was a bad cold as opposed to the good colds that you all get. I, I had a bad cold, so that's what it was. Uh, let me just make a couple announcements before we have a, a time of prayer. 
Uh, two of the very dear saints in this church have gone to be with the Lord this week, and I want you to be aware of that. So we've been asking to pray for Gordon Jennett, and it was last Monday that he went to be with the Lord. His family was there, present with him. I met with the family for a couple hours yesterday. And they are, uh, again, it's an amazing thing to think about. Gordon was a blessing to this church. And as an elder in this church, as a man of God, and it was very evident how much he was loved by his family and appreciated and loved by this church as well. And many of you know he was the key leader that, that got Subi Renewed done, this building, on time, on budget. Uh, I give Gordon all the credit as we praise God for his service. His uh, funeral service will be held here in the church at 10 o'clock on Friday morning. And so you are certainly welcome to come and join. And then Iris Cooper. And Iris was a, another dear saint. And when we were doing the Subi Renew program, we wanted to look back at history. She was one that we interviewed because she had these remembrances of Roy Raymond and some of the very fine Bible teachers that were part of this church congregation. But Iris uh, is with the Lord as well. Her service will be on Tuesday at Caracutta at 3.15 in the afternoon. Again, you're welcome to join the family and friends for that service. We want to just uh, give thanks to the Lord for the faithful people he's brought into this church. And we recognize some are with the Lord, and many still uh, just serve faithfully, but we just want to thank God for those, those great saints. We also want to just go to the Lord again in prayer. We've been asking for prayer for peace in Ukraine, and we're going to keep praying for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. If you have a, a personal prayer request, just bring it to God right now. Give him thanks for who he is. Recognize his presence and the power of the Spirit, and that prayer changes things. Father, you are an awesome God, worthy of all praise, glory, adoration. And we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. We hear your voice and the voice of our Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd who has laid down his life for us. And Lord, we thank you for Subi Church. We thank you for the great history that we have and even the, the missions emphasis that is part of this church remains an emphasis because we believe in the gospel, we believe in the power of God, we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we believe that you are still working and saving and changing lives. Father, we want to thank you for two very precious lives that have been part of this church for many years. For Gordon Jennett, I just want to give you praise for the, the friendship that I've had with him, the partnership in ministry, and just the influence that he has had on this church. And sometimes it has been behind the scenes, but I thank you for his godly leadership. And Lord, we thank you that on that Monday night, you welcomed him into your presence. For Iris Cooper, again, we thank you for this dear saint who joyfully proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord all the days of her life, and we thank you that she is now in your presence as well. Father, when we come before you, we recognize death as a very serious thing, and it's separation, it's separation from those that we love. We thank you that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. Our hope is in him.
Lord, we also want to ask that you would continue to work in this church and in this world. We pray once again for peace in Ukraine. Father, we just pray for your mercy and grace upon the refugees, upon those who are Christian churches and ministries that are taking care of the refugees. But Lord, we pray that they would be able to return home, and we pray that you would bring peace once again. We look to you for these things. In Christ's name, amen. So we're talking about taking God seriously, and this is going to be about faith, but let me begin with a couple of stories. Uh, one was a, a son that brings home a report card and is, shows it to his father. I'm sure he's not proud of it, but we have a, a sample of a report card like that. If you'll notice, it's not a good report card. And the father takes that report card and looks at this, and, and he's very disgusted with the, the performance, with the grades. And then the son says this, but dad, dad, you've got to look at the brighter side of things. And the father said, where is the brighter side of things on this report card? And the son says, but dad, this proves that I haven't cheated. That's, a, that's the brighter side. Um, another story. This uh, got out of the Rotarian magazine. But it was, uh, just tells the story of two guys, and they see this ad in the paper where if you capture live wolves, you will get $5,000 for every live wolf. And so they go out during the day, and they're out chasing for wolves. They don't find any, but they, they camp out at night. And as they're camping out, uh, one of them, Billy, wakes up, and he sees that the, he is surrounded by a pack of wolves. So this is not that scene. This is an animal surrounded by a pack of wolves, but, but you get the idea. They are surrounded by these wolves. And then Billy looks at these wolves, and he can see in the moonlight that they've got that, you know, they've just got that, that grimace that they're showing their teeth, and they are ready to attack. And so he wakes up his mate, who's next to him, sleeping. He says, Jed, Jed, wake up. We're rich. That's the brighter <laughs> side of things. Now, I, I tell these stories because sometimes when people and in, in some outside the church will look at Christian faith and they will look at our faith as if they're like these stories. We're just trying to look at the brighter side of things. But it's not really reasonable often. That somehow we're sprinkling some faith fairy dust over a very difficult situation and that just makes us feel better. What I want to talk about is this. Biblical faith is not simply looking at the brighter side of life, not just looking for the silver lining. Faith is looking at that darkness and believing in the God of the Bible. Faith is trusting in God. Now, last week, we, I should say a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the story of a very destitute widow. So she had two sons, and she's a widow. Her husband has died. And she is in poverty and in debt. And God cares about that widow. Today we're going to look at a, another woman in ancient Israel. Again, we don't know her name. But she's not a poor widow. She's married and she's wealthy. But again, we see God at work in her life. Now what I want you to do is think about this. What do I have in common with a woman in ancient Israel. 
What do I, everybody here, what do we have in common with that woman in ancient Israel? And the first thing is this, we're going to take God seriously. We've got to take God seriously. The second thing is this, that seriousness in taking God results in faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. How can we take God seriously without faith? And then finally, I want to talk about hope of the resurrection. And that's where we're going to go, is hope of the resurrection. And as we think about that today, I've announced two of our dear saints who are with the Lord. Absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. But 1 Corinthians, our 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us is this. We grieve, but not like those who have no hope. Because those who are dead in Christ, get it, dead in Christ, will rise first when Christ comes in his glorious return. In other words, we believe in a resurrection. Let me talk about that as we look at our story. Look with me at 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning verse 18. And I'm going to continue the story that we began reading in our Bible reading. It's a long story, but we need to hear every verse. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'll read from verse uh, 18 through 30. So remember, a child has been born to this woman. Verse 18. The child grew. One day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. He said to his father, my head, my head. His father told a servant, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, please send one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It is not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When, she saw, when he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is the child all right? Everything is all right, she said. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over and pushed her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said. Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt, take my staff in your hand, and run. Don't greet anyone you meet, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. This is God's word. You may be seated. There's obviously going to be more to the story, but I want to bring out three points from this text. First, our faith. Our faith is always expressed in actions. So we have this story of the, the Shunammite woman. And so this, I'm just going to give you a, a brief look at the map and just show you where we're talking about in, uh, in Israel. So we see Shunem, 
And then there's Mount Carmel, and that's where she's going to be heading back and forth from that area. But what she does is she prepares a, a room for the prophet, and she blesses him. Now, when we looked at the text previously in chapter 4, there was another woman, a widow, who, as I said, she was impoverished, she was in debt, she had two sons, and God had compassion for this widow. But here we have a woman who's well-to-do. Does God care about well-to-do people? We might ask that question, because most of us in the Western world, many of us certainly would be considered well-to-do by world standards. Does God care about us, or does he only care about those who are impoverished? Well, the prophet says to her, what can be done for you? I, I could even speak to you know, high government officials or commanders of armies. No, she doesn't have any interest in that. You know, she says, in essence, I'm comfortable with uh, where I am. I, you can really do nothing for me. I have everything that I need. She is wealthy. She has a husband. And she practices hospitality. So let me just stop there and, and just think about that brief story where she makes a room and has a place for the prophet. I'm going to go over to Romans chapter 12. And in Romans chapter 12, we have this, uh, this faith in action passage. And this is what the Apostle Paul says in verse 12, or verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So no matter what life situation you're in, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. What do I mean by that? Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Notice the phrase there, just two words. Practice hospitality. One of the things that needs to be a defining characteristic of us is that we are hospitable people, that we care about other people. Why? Because our God cares for us. And that's part of our spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, serving one another. Now, Elisha is then informed of two facts. She has no son, and her husband is very old. And so those two facts are going to weigh in on this story. For us, sometimes it's difficult for us to understand how a woman in the Old Testament days, in ancient Israel, how they very much desire to have a son, an heir. We have stories, stories of Abraham and Sarah, the story of Hannah, also of Rachel, and then even in the New Testament, Elizabeth and Zechariah, where they desperately want a child, but she doesn't have one. But here's what's interesting, and her hospitality is not going to be unrewarded by the Lord, and spoken through Elisha. Elisha wants to do something for her, representing God. She doesn't ask for a son. Uh, my guess is that's more than what she feels like is reasonable to ask for. But God knows her heart, and he gives her a son. Now, here's a, a great passage in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, where it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, but we must believe that he exists and that he is also the rewarder of those who seek him. And God rewards those who are faithful, and I believe that. And he does it here. He honors her. Let me just point out and go back to that major point. 
Our faith is always expressed in our actions. So I'm going to be talking about faith in a particular kind of faith, but what I want to point out is that it's going to be resurrection faith eventually, but I'm going to point out that that faith is expressed in a number of different ways. So faith is not just a concept in our mind. Faith is something we put into practice. James talks about dead faith versus living faith, faith that has actions, it has feet, it has hands. And in this case, she demonstrates faith to me simply by practicing hospitality, and she hadn't even read Romans 12 yet, right? But she does it. Let me give you a, a, a couple of thoughts. I want to talk to you again about Subi Serves, because Subi Serves is us serving in the church and us serving in the community, finding things that we can do that represent Christ and putting faith in action. And let me give you a particular opportunity once again, and I feel bad I wasn't here last week, uh, for Mel sharing about Awana, but Awana is an amazing program, and it's going to start this Tuesday. Understand we have four brand new volunteers. Praise God if that's you. Thank you for that. All of us can pray about that. But the fact is, one of the, the reasons why we run those programs is not just to take opportunity because we have a free night on the calendar. It's because it is a Bible-based teaching the children the Word of God. And just like we're memorizing Scripture at Subi, they memorize Scripture. And that's how they gain merit points and it's an amazing program. So let me encourage you, if you're still considering serving at Awana, it's not too late. Call up the church office, let us know you're interested. It's a great ministry. Here's the second idea. Faith is tested when the goodness of God is veiled. Again, we just read this passage, but let me give you a brief bio of the son. So first, she gave birth to a son, verse 17. Second, the son, the child, grew, verse 18. Then in verse 19, out in the field, he cries, my head, my head. And then, verse 20, he dies. That's the biography of this little boy. God gives a gift and then takes it back. But here's what's interesting to me. The reaction of this woman, this Shunammite woman, how she responds, and I'm going to suggest that she responds by believing in God's goodness. So you think about the finality of death and how we view death, but I want you to think about how she viewed it. So what we see is her activities and her words. She places the child on Elisha's bed. Now these things are kind of odd to us. They're a little bit bizarre if you think about it. She places the child on Elisha's bed, she goes to Elisha without speaking of the son. And so even when she's questioned by her husband, she doesn't say what his condition is. She just says, it's all right, I'm going to go see him. And then when she talks to Gehazi, she simply says, everything's all right. What she was saying, I think, was saying, making these actions and behaviors out of faith. Now, why does she do this? Some commentators look at this passage and say faith is oozing out of verses 28 and 30 in particular. But she goes to the man of God and she clings to him and she says, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Why is she doing that? Well, just think about 
Elisha is God's representative on earth. When she is clinging to that man of God, she is clinging to God. Now, I, I recognize this is, he's a human, he's a prophet, but she would view him as the living word of God. And she's going to cling to him and basically say, I'm not going back unless you come with me. And she's going to cling to that hope. Her actions are not normal. No normal... When someone dies, yeah, there's a burial, there's grief, and that's it. But you don't see those reactions going on here. What she does is that she, I believe, is maintaining faith. What kind of faith? Faith that God can raise the dead. I think that's what she's doing here. Let me read from... uh, Dale Ralph Davis, in his uh, commentary, he says this. So where does she turn? This is after the death of her child. Where can she go? Only to the same God who has perplexed her. There's no, no one else to whom she can go. What can you do when God's mercy has turned to malice? Take the bitter distress, and in it, keep clutching at the God you don't understand. We have a word for that. Faith. That's faith in action. In times of darkness, in times of grief, in times of distress, where do we turn? We turn to the only one who can help us, our God. Faith is that response is when we don't understand, when we're grieved and perplexed and riddled with questions, but faith is still our response. It's still our response. There's a great hymn of our faith, called the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less. And and this is the second verse. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking. What the hymn writer recognizes is sometimes we go through these times of darkness and the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God is veiled. It is. And we acknowledge that. We've just not seen it. And yet, what do we do in those times? So what the hymn writer says is, I rest on his unchanging grace. What Paul will later say, my grace, Jesus will say to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. Cling to that, and that's what we cling to by faith. Christ's glory is veiled on earth. God's goodness is sometimes veiled, but faith sees through the darkness. Let me give you another activity, and this is by way of application, but again, I'm going to give you a twofold activity. We we talked in... uh, Chin has already said, we're going to do another nurse, and this will most likely be my last nurse at, at Subi. And, and one, of the, one of the things I want to do is I want to talk about Job, because I think Job is an amazing story, some of the most wonderful literature ever written. But not just that. It applies to me because I face times of suffering, and it teaches me how to minister about how to handle things. And you go into and you enter into the story with Job, 
and you enter into that sorrow and suffering, and you're perplexed with him. And we may see a little glimpse of what's going on in heaven, but he doesn't. And sometimes we're like Job. We don't see what's going on in heaven. We see what's happening here, and we're perplexed. And we don't know how to handle it. And one of the things that a beautiful story of Job does is it helps us understand the sovereignty of God and suffering, and it helps us in our own life and as we minister to others. My conviction is this. Faith is not something we just tap into when we need it. Faith is something that has to be built upon. And when we build upon that, then we can tap into it, but we don't invent it in times of suffering. We don't invent it in times of grief and in times when we are perplexed and we do not understand what's happening. We don't just invent our faith. It's what we fall back on. It's what we rest on. It's what we stand on in those difficult times. So I encourage you. We do have a few spots left with Nourish. It's a fellowship time, but we are going to do Job, and, and I, I think it's the best way to do Job, in my opinion, is we get to do uh, five weeks just studying the book of Job from the beginning to the end, and it's an amazing study. The other thing I want to say is relation to this is when it comes to faith, this is not something we just look for when we need it. If things are going well in your life, if you're saying, yeah, things are cruising along, we're doing well, we're past COVID, we're doing a lot of things well, it's the time you build faith. It's the time you build your trust and hope in God. Because faith is tested, and it will be tested. And God's goodness will be veiled at times. But when it's tested, it stands. Because our hope is in Christ. One more idea. I want to get to this idea, resurrection faith. And resurrection faith is our living hope. Again, I, I want to say this very clearly. I believe in resurrection faith. I'm not saying that just because I want to put a nice spin on things. A friend of mine died this week, but I don't want to put just a nice spin on that and say, oh, I'm going to see him again, as if I don't believe it. I actually believe in resurrection faith. The dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive will be caught up together with him in the air, and thus we will always be with our Lord. It's the faith that we have, but what I find interesting is this woman, who we don't even have her name, has resurrection faith. So let me pick up the story in verse 31. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face. And there was no sound or response, so Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in and shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hand to hand. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room. And then he got on the bed and stretched out on him once more, and the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. And he did. 
When she came, he said, take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed him to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. I take it that all the action preceding this, how she responded preceding was, was leading up to this moment. Somehow, she believed that the God who gave her a son could also bring that son back to life. That's why she's reacting in the way she does. Let me point out a faith tested is a faith strengthened. But here's the story. Gehazi comes back and he lays the staff, which would represent the symbol or the authority of the prophet, on the boy, but there's no response. Even when Elisha gets there, he prays, and he stretches himself upon the boy's body, mouth to mouth, eyes to eye, hand to hand, and there's these passionate prayers. And it's interesting, again, it's hard to fully understand what's going on there, but the boy sneezes seven times, perhaps at seven, what's significant? It is that work of God, and perhaps it's simply saying, this is God's hand, this is God's work. The boy revives, and he lives. In verse 37, we see a silent expression of honoring the prophet and honoring the Lord. There Apparently, no words need to be said, but she just recognizes God's prophet. How does this apply to you and me? Again, we can look at this and say, well, that's a nice story, and isn't that sweet? Let's recognize one thing here, though. This is a temporary resurrection. The boy, he's not alive today. He died again, and there was no resurrection at that point. He died. It's like Lazarus. We know that Lazarus, he died. Jesus rose him, raised him from the dead. Lazarus come forth. And he dies again. It's a temporary resurrection. But what I want to point out is all resurrections are going to point to our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do I know that? You know this. How do I know they always point to Jesus? How do I know that? Jesus said, I am what? I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus points to himself, and he basically says, if there's genuine resurrection, you need to recognize it's from me. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though they died, yet shall they live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Look at this passage in John chapter 11. I want to pick up the story in verse 20. Uh, in verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. This is after Lazarus had died. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So he's going to speak of a resurrection. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So she believes in that. She knows there's a resurrection in the last day. But Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I take it that the Shunammite woman believes in the resurrection. 
that God can raise the dead. And what that resurrection faith points to is Jesus, because Jesus is going to say, I am the resurrection and the life. And what we see in the life of Jesus is obviously he is crucified, buried, but the third day he's raised from the dead. He's victorious over sin and death, and his resurrection points to something that we have faith in. So I said, I believe in the resurrection. I have resurrection faith. Why? Because God raised Jesus from the dead. And when Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life, the one who believes in me, even though they die, they die, yet shall they live because he gives life. He gives resurrection life. And that's the faith that we are challenged to have. Again, I am not at all trying to say, well, let's just put a happy face on, on death. It is not a happy face. It's just not. But we have hope, resurrection hope. Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning verse 16. The great resurrection chapter in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says this, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. If there's no resurrection, then obviously Jesus couldn't be raised. But if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. There's hopeless. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. So again, there's no happy face being put on this thought. But, verse 20, one of the great buts in the Bible but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And notice what he is. Here's what it comes to you and me. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits of those who are part of our Subi church family and die in Christ. But Jesus has been raised from the dead. His resurrection points to our resurrection. And what he calls us to have is resurrection See, this is part of taking God seriously because when God says he can raise the dead, he can give us everlasting life, do we take that promise seriously? Biblical faith, gospel faith, says, yes, Lord, I believe. The Shunammite woman, what an amazing woman. Here she has this resurrection faith, and where does she get that from? She has it. And we are called to have resurrection faith. Where do we get it from? We get it from Jesus, who's been raised from the dead. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ Jesus, that's the invitation to you even now. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in him, and you will be saved. He is the first fruits. He is the one we look to. He is Lord and Savior. For all of us, one of the things that we need to think about when we see death in our world, and it's not very difficult to find it. And even hear it among friends, family members, we think resurrection, in Christ, resurrection. That's our hope. Pray with me. Father, I recognize that the world may not understand this faith that we proclaim. But we look at it not as wishful thinking, 
of putting a nice spin on something and trying simply to encourage one another with an untruth, but to encourage one another with these words, Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. He is our hope, our salvation, our Savior. Father, I pray for any who do not have that hope right now. I pray that they would put their trust in you, that they would confess their sins, acknowledge a need for a Savior, believe that Jesus, who died on the cross, was buried and raised the third day, is the hope of the world. In Christ's name. We're going to go to our, our time of communion right now. When the Lord gives us the bread and the cup, we're, we're recognizing his body, his blood, the blood that was shed, but let's recognize there's this beautiful thought the Apostle Paul gives us. is often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim his death until he comes. He is the resurrected one, ascended into heaven, but coming again. 1 Thessalonians 4, when he comes, the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive will be caught up together with them in the air, and thus we will forever be with our Lord. There's resurrection hope for all of us. And when we partake of the bread and the cup, we are proclaiming that hope. If that's your faith, that's your hope, please take of the elements. It's for you. It reminds us of grace and the grace that we have received, the forgiveness of sins. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, once again, the invitation goes to you, but we'd ask that you not partake of the elements until you have that faith, that resurrection faith that we're speaking of. Let's just take a moment and pray. Prepare your hearts and take a moment to confess your sins before the Lord and then receive grace at the Lord's Supper. Lord, we want to meet with you right now and hear your voice. I am the resurrection and the life. And receive your forgiveness, the Lamb of God. Forgive sinners like us. And rejoice in our salvation. Bless this time, we pray in Christ's name. I'm going to ask the first five, ten rows to go ahead and stand and to the side, go to the side and the center, come to the center. So go ahead. Our helpers will assist you.
Remember the story of Lazarus. Jesus goes to the tomb and he weeps. He prays, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I, I knew that you were always, will always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus shows himself to be that resurrection power. And that's our faith right now. Jesus, who meets with his disciples in the upper room, when he goes to Calvary, they are going to be perplexed. There is that darkness that is part of that day. They don't understand. And yet, the power of God will be revealed on that first day of the week. He establishes in the upper room this time for us. He gives the bread and he says, this is my body broken for you. Let's take together. And then he takes the cup. He says, this is the new covenant in my blood for you. Take remembrance. I pray. Lord Jesus, we just want to say thank you. Thank you that you are this amazing Savior, the one that we put our hope and trust in. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for life. We thank you for hope that we recognize even when death speaks, it does not have the final word over those who are in Christ Jesus. For Jesus, you are the one who speaks. And you speak life and resurrection. For that we praise you in Christ's name. Let us stand, let us sing our last song, giving praise to him, our one and only hope.
amazing thought. Christ is our hope, life and death, so we do not live in denial. Death is real, and it's not a friend. It is just not a friend, but here's the deal. Jesus Christ has defeated it. Therefore, we have hope. This week, many of us will again get to exercise that resurrection faith, that belief in the power of the resurrection that changes everything, eternity, lives. We go out with the power of the gospel this week. That's life-changing. It's eternity-changing. One of the things we're all called to do is strengthen our faith. Strengthen it. Pray with me. Father, as we go, we ask that you would bless us. Help us to walk with you. Help us even in dark times to trust in you, to see your grace, to put our hope in you. And Lord Jesus, we do praise you and thank you. The death does not have the victory. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you. Go in peace.